I am Plant on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Mylene Andrews, our central character in the novel by Emma Cote Unrest, is a mortician. She spends her days dealing with death, the death of others, and is seemingly unclear about how to deal with one in her family. Her mother has died, and though they were estranged, they're brought back together as Maylene finds postcards left behind, messages that were unmailed. They were written at various graveyards that her mother, Cerise, had visited before her death. So as a way to connect, she sets off in her hearse to go to each place across the United States and parts of Canada. The book provides often comical situations that our mortician encounters along the way. There are people puzzled by and are often uneasy or bewildered by it all. Naturally, this offers a glimpse as to a lot of our own unease around death. Some can prepare as, uh, for, for it as much as they can, but very few can talk openly about it. Ms. Cote joins me now, and I'll ask her about this book, about the writing of it, which was uh, part of the 43rd Annual Three-Day Novel Writing Contest, which she won. I'll ask about the themes in the book, about death, about mourning, and the media. Over the course of Maylene's travel, she attracts the attention of the press, which provides a terrific insight as to what we all find interesting, thanks to media coverage. This debut novel is published by Anvil Press. Emma Cote grew up in a small town in northern Ontario. She studied journalism, English literature, and creative writing, and recently completed a postgraduate certificate in publishing. This is her debut novel. She joined me from Wawa, Ontario, late last month. Please uh, welcome to the Plant Online program, Emma Cote. Ms. Cote, good morning. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Are you looking forward to um, interviews for this book? You know, I am. It's kind of uh, a toss-up sometimes. It's something that you feel really nervous about because it's not a normal thing to be talking about yourself so much or things that you do. But um, when it's people just sort of asking you questions about something that you've put a lot of care into, it's kind of a nice a nice experience so far anyway. The, the press that I've done has been really great. I, I ask that for people listening to us who might wonder why I'm asking that question. It's because the, the, there's a quote at the beginning of the book uh, from Catherine Hepburn, um, uh, which, uh, as I mentioned, I could have completely forgotten. <laughs> I should have written it down. But it, but it had to refer yeah. to the, she was looking forward to death because that would mean there would be no more interviews, right? Yeah. yeah. Death will be a great, I think it's relief. No more interviews. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great, it's um, a great Hepburn line, isn't it? Yes, uh, I, that was more spoken in the terms of the main character. I understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I read your book last week, and I finished it last week. I enjoyed it a great deal, and then I found myself earlier this week um, at a uh, cemetery for a funeral service. And oh, I have yeah. to tell you, I, I was as I was going through the the, the place. It was a long walk to where the chapel was, and then once in the chapel, you know, there's a lot of you know, sitting around waiting. Um, I, I guess it's because I was reading, I, I'd read your book. I was looking around at everything, and, and the people there who were attending, obviously, and then the people there that were working. I, I was paying, I, I guess, closer attention than I probably would have had I not read your book. Wow, that's amazing. Um was there a great deal of research in terms of writing the novel? Well, the novel was written in three days as part of yeah. Anvil Press's annual contest. So there was some panicked research happening. 
bet, kind of yeah. as it was going. And I had originally gone into that contest with the idea of um, a main character finding, um, having her mother pass away and finding some postcards in the deceased mother's um, cupboard. But I had originally had it kind of completely different where she's going around all these different places. I cannot remember at what point I said, oh, she's going to be a mortician and she's going to go to graveyard. Mm -hmm. At some point that became the goal. And at that point I started researching like mad just to get all of the different, the route and kind of get a feel for the different graveyards, which are real. And um, also researching kind of the, the experience of a, of a mortician and, and what they might go through. So yes, there was, Nothing leading up to it, but in short, there was quite a bit of, of skimming and, and kind of taking in however much information I could once I, I made that sort of the route that the story was going to take. I, I found it fascinating is reading the book, all these details in terms of um, the work that our, our, our main character, Mylene, does um, uh, and why she goes into it, and 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 you realize, yeah, someone like her would go into this, um, because uh, people die all the time, don't they? And and in, in increasing numbers sometimes, and it's a, a fairly lucrative business to to get into at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, and she her experiences in life made her very pragmatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the. The, 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 at the heart of the book is obviously this relationship between her and her mother. Um, why has it been distant, say? Yeah, I suppose not everyone is equipped to deal with, with a major loss, and that speaks to how we view grief as a society. Sometimes it gets brushed aside and people feel uncomfortable and, and uh, unable to deal with it in a, in a way that would help process something that can never truly fully be processed because it, it, it comes and it goes. Um, but I suppose the main character's mother, Milen, she was one of those people that didn't know what to do with her grief. But I think there's something extra shocking when a death is very sudden. And so her mother really just kind of fell off the face of the planet, emotionally speaking, and um, wasn't able to be there for for Milen as she was growing up. And so I think what happened was they just sort of drifted apart, as you do if you can't really share in your grief and become closer. Sometimes grief comes between people and kind of pushes them apart. And so I suppose that's what happened there. And then there's also all of those human emotions of, of pride and, and ego and and shame and embarrassment that might get in the way of, of any reparations. So uh, I suppose that's yeah. what happened, yeah. I pronounced her name wrong, haven't I? Um, uh, I didn't catch how you pronounced it, but it's, yeah, it is French, so it's Milen. Milen, yeah, I, I pronounce it Mylene, yeah. but I guess it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I guess I mixed up the names. Uh, Milen is the daughter, and, yes. uh, and, and Cerise is the, the, the mother. Yes, Cerise, yes, that's right. Um, what I'm finding, uh, one of the fascinating things as I was reading the book, and I found it just, just um, uh, it hit home this week for me, was was people's reaction to um, to her as she was traveling, you know, going around in a hearse for one, one thing. But then when people found out what she did for a living, 
having to sort of right. say talk about that and and and, and people do have a uh, still and I don't think this has changed regardless of what hap- what's happening in our culture we have a, a very uneasy relationship with death don't we we do yeah for sure and and she, she she does everything she can to you know with, with humor with, with her own natural humor, um, mm-hmm. dark sometimes, to to sort of ease people's fears or, or or make people feel comfortable, even just in her presence or seeing the car in the parking lot, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's it's people kind of have these different schools of thought on death. They'd rather just pretend that it isn't going to happen to them yeah. or they're like me and they become kind of obsessed with the fact that it is going to happen and looking for ways to kind of find the the lightness and the humor in it despite the fact that grief is extremely heavy and complex but you know any with the broad spectrum of any human emotion there's still going to be those moments of of comedy even even in something as serious as grief and death for sure I love this idea that she finds these postcards from her mother, and um, uh, because the mother obviously dies very early in the book, um, and uh, we know a little bit about her through what the narrator tells us, but she sort of comes to life, if you will, through these postcards, and and um, I just love the concept of that, trying to you know, in someone's own words. Um, both both our narrator and 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 both the the, uh, the mother and the postcards, sort of revealing themselves as much as they'd like, mm-hmm. even un, uh, yeah, even unreliably sometimes, right? Absolutely, yeah. I think Cerise was trying to kind of pay a penance through these postcards and repair a relationship, and I think originally she did plan on sending them, but just couldn't bring herself to do it and and I kind of felt like that was indicative of what we experienced in life where so often things are unfinished and we don't get to say what we wanted to say so I I like the concept of her of of Milen feeling very um kind of frustrated and upset that she was having this one-sided conversation because Sometimes that's how it happens, not even necessarily in death, but just in life in general. Oh, sure. We yeah. lose touch and, yeah. with people, and we don't get to say what we wanted to say. So I, I just felt that that was really um, really poignant and something I wanted to kind of explore. She sees a lot of America, and it's a fascinating sort of America that she sees because it's, it's uh, uh, cemeteries mainly. But we get a flavor for life uh, on the road. Um is that something that you've done uh, done a bit of, say, traveling through the, through the, mm-hmm. th- through America? I haven't actually seen very much of America. I've visited, uh, I've been to California, but that's pretty much it. I haven't actually been to any of these places in person. I have done lots of road trips around Canada, um, and I've traveled quite a bit in in Central America and Southeast Asia. So I suppose I have that mindset going into it. The reason I ended up um, wanting to do graveyards in America was because there were certain ones that I had that I'd known about in books, and that I just kind of felt had this real lure. And so I wanted to write about them, even though I've never been to them. I hope I did them justice. But um, I also I don't want to spoil the the ending but i also wanted her to end up in a different place at the end 
so that's also partly why it, uh, it focused on these different famous graveyards in America. Yeah, um, it, it, Sleepy Hollow, for, for one, um, mm-hmm. has taken on this, this, this uh, sort of almost mythic idea in our, in our culture. Um, and, and I really enjoyed um, seeing how people reacted to death, as well, you know, going through the East Coast and, and down south as well. Um, and then going out west, um, we, we, we have, as, as people, uh, different ways of looking at this, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's all kinds of, this was something that I did research throughout the, the writing process, was these different um, traditions around the world. And I think it gets mentioned early on that wearing all black is, is not a, um, a tradition in other parts of the of the world, certain traditions wear purple or yellow, or they don't have any kind of um, rules or, or traditions around what clothing you wear. So, yeah, I really wanted to look at these different ways that people process death. It's just really fascinating that so many different cultures do it in completely different ways. Yeah, and and um, I, I'm. Uh Forgive me, I'm trying to, to, to not give away things as, as I'm talking to you. Um, again, geographically, just um, different ways of looking at it. And, and, and um, the, the future of, say, um, the funeral business, if you will, um, mm-hmm. that, that's changed a great deal. I mean, there, there were certain religions that, that forbid, say, cremation. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up a Catholic, and, and for, for a long time, I believe Catholics uh, weren't allowed to be cremated, and um, now there's also um, the idea of uh, green burials and the sort. Mm -hmm. That's something that you talk about in the book as well, is is, uh, how these things are changing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's overall, I hope anyway, that we're moving towards practices and everything that are a bit more gentle on the earth and um, a real balance between trying to maintain culture and tradition that really is important to people and they have every right to do that. And then also being aware that if you're open to to other processes, um, that that is an option. So she definitely kind of has an aha moment at one point when she realizes that she had never even thought about it, you know, Um, and and that is how tradition kind of continues, and some people are traditionalists, and they want that tradition to continue, but there are certain people that don't feel totally comforted by the traditions, and I think that that was what she wanted to, to create, was different opportunities for those people, for the ones that wanted to do something different and started thinking about things differently. Yeah, there are certain imperatives that we have to consider. For example, if, if one uh, was thinking of burying themselves, um, the uh, idea that land is, 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 is um, you know, finding enough land for, for all of us is, is you know, that, that's something to consider. Uh, even cremation, just, just I, I, I never thought of that, the, the amount of, um, say, uh, fumes and, and the sort that, that uh, as a result of, of uh, cremating someone. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. these are things yeah, that, that, she's think, that she's thinking about, right? Absolutely, yeah. Everything has some sort of cost to it, you know, whether financial or environmental. And so I think it's just about deciding what costs you're kind of comfortable with and and then going from there, for sure. Yeah. 
Um, the the three-day um, novel contest, um, how do you prepare for something like that? I mean, it, it, the three days that you took to, to work on this, um, I'm assuming you were awake for most of it, were you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's funny. I had two very different experiences. So this, I participated for the first time in 2020 uh-huh. um, and won. And then participated again last year and absolutely got humbled and didn't even finish. Um, (laughs) And so my methods of preparation were completely different both times. The first time um, in 2020, uh, all I did was I I wrote out my uh, my plot. So Mm -hmm. I I plotted a little bit, came up with 10 main um, plot points, 10 chapters, and then the overall concept, that's all you're allowed to do. There's no writing that can be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so kind of sat down. You're allowed to start on min- at midnight on the Friday. So I sat down to do that and um, wrote until about, like, 2 or 3 in the morning and then, and then um, kind of got on a fairly regular writing schedule, writing about 16 hours a day. Um, and, and like I said, at some point it sort of veered into this whole other exploration of, of death and grieving. Um, and so that, you know, kind of produced this, this sort of flow state, I guess, where I was able to really drop into the story and, and kind of get out of my own way. Um, because in the past with my writing projects, it's taken me years to create a draft. And with this, you didn't have time for self-doubt. So you just had to sort of put your head down and write and hope that what was coming out was making sense. Um, And that's why I kind of went with this more conversational tone instead of sitting down and trying to write, you know, these really beautiful complex similes and metaphors. I knew it wasn't going to happen. So I really tried to to get that kind of voicey tone going. And then this year, um, or this past year, I should say, I did everything to prepare. I made myself all this food. I got myself this lovely space. <laughs> I had my plot all ready to go, and and then it just got so complex that it um, it was it was becoming too much research, and I was getting kind of bogged down in research. So um, I didn't even end up finishing. You need seventeen thousand words to kind uh-huh. of be in the running, and yeah. I think I got about twelve thousand down. So that was um, that was pretty funny. That was pretty humbling because I thought, oh, like, hey, I'm I'm uh, I'm officially a pro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought I would have no problem finishing it. But um, yeah, so that was a really cool experience. Still, because at the end of the day, I have uh, the outline and the first, you know, however many chapters mm-hmm. of of a potential story so that I can expand on in the future. So well, I would say less is more when preparing. <laughs> Yeah, All you need to do is have your your space where you're not going to be disturbed and your plot point that you're open to using, but also open to throwing out the window if you have to. It's fascinating to, to, to read this process or to hear this process um, because um, for a lot of people, working under pressure works, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess it, it definitely does. And... Um, you can't really put the same amount of pressure on yourself when it's just you mm. and your laptop at yeah. 6.30 in the morning when you told yourself you'd get up and try and write a few words. The fact that you've paid uh, a registration fee 
And you've also got the entire community of other writers who are, you know, posting and tweeting and encouraging each other and um, really helping each other along. It feels like this, it's not this monumental task like it normally is to sit down and write. It's kind of like this experience that you just get to be a part of. And uh, it makes it so much more motivating to finish. You, you spoke a moment ago about um, the, the first time, um, uh, the first time you did the, did the contest, and, and um, as you were working, it sort of veered off uh, into something that you probably didn't plan for. Can you describe that feeling for, for, for us who, who, who don't write or, or aren't creative at all, what that's like in terms of, uh, were you struck by inspiration at that moment? Did it feel exciting, if, if you will, in terms of, mm-hmm. of understanding something was happening that, that you hadn't planned for? Yeah, absolutely. I think, for me, I always find it really, really interesting when characters have what I personally view um, as an interesting career. So I think that I Googled interesting careers, mm-hmm. and I just sort of looked down the list, and I thought, okay, as far as character development goes, what would be something that would really make sense? And I scrolled down the list, and I just saw mortician, I believe. So it must have been then that I said, oh, okay, wait a minute, this makes sense. If she's a mortician and she's dealing with grief and the death of her mother, and I thought, okay, thematically that's all going to work. And I think it was at that point um, that I just sort of went off. And at some point I was looking at I was trying to make it more of a feminist um, kind of piece of literature that was looking at different suffragettes that had that were buried in these cemeteries, and then that was again going down the rabbit hole of too much research, and I couldn't do it justice in such a short amount of time. So as soon as I pulled back and I said, "Okay, she's going to be a mortician. She's going to go to these cemeteries and she's going to try and process this loss," and you know, it's, I, I love traveling, so it's going to be a travel story. I can do this mm-hmm. <laughs> and just sort of put my head down. And it did really feel like dropping into a, a flow state that I don't think I've really ever experienced before. Um, and so I definitely have the contest to thank for that because, like I like I just said, it's so difficult to, to feel like you're in the flow of it when it's just you doing this on your own. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think once I dropped into it and decided to go with that, and that felt like there was enough there to really flesh her out as a character and make her believable, then it sort of started to grow wings. There's a part of the book where um, you you deal with, say, notoriety, being famous, and and we we started our conversation, uh, I started the conversation by asking you about doing interviews for this book. Um, that, That says something about our culture, in terms of um, the sort of attention that that um, our protagonist gets as she takes this journey, um, that probably would not have happened, say, fifty years ago or, or seventy-five years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, the internet has has taken it on in a in a, a different degree altogether, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You never know what will go viral mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, and. Um, I think that's something that she, that Milan had never even considered, you know, a possibility. And so getting this notoriety was just so unfamiliar and so strange to her that she didn't know what to make of it. Um, 
So, yeah, I think it's definitely something that we do see happening, and it seems to just continue to happen. There's um, people that seem to become well-known overnight for, you know, different reasons. One video, and then um, someone will be following them for however long afterwards. So, yeah, it's definitely something new, and it was most certainly new to Milan. She didn't even know that that could happen. So Yeah, and um, it inevitably changes her journey too, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think her journey was inspirational to people and, and really fascinating because it's relatable. Mm-hmm. You know, death is, is the most relatable experience and everyone has been or will be touched by death at some point. So people were fascinated to see this, this person that was really subverting these um, kind of stereotypes, I suppose, moving through the through the world. It was funny, too, that, that, that people liked talking about her or getting their selfies with her as she was making her way uh, mm-hmm. on the journey. But they, um, st- I, I still don't think a lot of them really thought about death as they should, as we all no, should, it was right? more like <laughs> mm-hmm. they wanted to just have a little piece of her, be a part yeah. of it in some way, but didn't necessarily get the full message. But, um, but Milan did at the end overall so I think that that was more more what her goal was was for her to just feel a little bit um, more engaged in, in the world in general and with what she was doing Emma how much time in in the three days um, does one spend say uh, you've given us idea of how, uh, how much you spent writing it in, in terms of editing it or, or, or um, looking at it um, in, with, with different eyes, um, mm-hmm. how much of that were you afforded, say? So I basically wanted to get to, I was trying to aim to get about 100 pages. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it was as soon as I hit about 90, I said, okay, just wrap the story up um, and you can go ahead and edit at that point. Um, when I saw that like when we went into day three I kind of set the goal of you need to wrap it up by I can't remember what time it was but a certain time mm-hmm. um, and I think I gave myself you know like four or five hours to, to go back through and edit again and um, and I added I pretty it up so I added <laughs> some some kind of more figurative language and some similes and metaphors and descriptors and things like that here and there so as I wrote it, I just sort of went through and put the bones of the story down and then um, went back and, and edited it. The, um, Jessica Key, my editor at Anvil, did say that the copy was pretty clean, but I feel like she was just being nice. It still <laughs> felt like there were tons of <laughs> mistakes. As I, mean, I, I went to school for publishing, so I, um, I'm kind of a stickler for, for spelling mistakes and things like that in any finished work. Uh, but uh, yeah, we we did have you know all these opportunities to edit it afterwards. You mean you mentioned uh, just now about uh, uh, studying publishing. Um, mm-hmm. did, did you do that? Did you decide to do that because you wanted you you always had the idea that you wanted to write? Yeah, it's kind of a one of those things where you want to be involved in this world and you're not sure what the best approach is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew that I wanted to work with books and with book people and, and, and in the industry. So 
I, um, I did a post-grad certificate in publishing um, after I came back from, from living abroad, and uh, I work for a, a not-for-profit that's uh, called eBound Canada that, that works with Canadian independent publishers um, to help them create their, um, their, their e-books mm-hmm. and audiobooks. And um, I'm just sort of doing all of this writing stuff on the side, and uh, but I do hope to to keep going with it for sure. Yeah, it, it's just, it's a, a, a terribly thoughtful and enjoyable book. Um, uh, are you working on another one now? I am. So that book that took me years. Um, I don't even want to say how many years it took <laughs> me to write the first draft. Of. Yeah. I'm I'm currently querying it, or I was querying it. I got a couple of good pieces of feedback from literary agents that it kind of started in the maybe started in the wrong place and uh, made, gave me a couple of feed, uh, a couple of pieces of information about the main character. So I am kind of doing a full rewrite with with their feedback in mind, and then I'll send it out to query it again. Um, and then I've already got my um, my three-day novel uh, for this year, my topic picked out as well. So lots of things in the works. Well, congratulations on, on this book, and, and good luck with everything else. I, I so appreciate your time today. Um, I, I enjoyed the book, as I said, and enjoyed talking to you about it. Thank you so much. I so appreciate you taking the time as well. The book is called Unrest. It's published by Anvil Press. Its author, Emma Cote, joined me on the line from Wawa, Ontario, in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Planto.